welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello, hello, AirDNA data nerds, all of you hosts with the most. Mariah Kamei here, gearing up to tee you up for an amazing episode. This one is with um, one of the major players in our industry. I am talking about Michael Shogren. Oh my goodness, he and I had so much fun sitting down and talking about everything to do with his approach to investing in short-term rentals. Michael, of course, is the founder of Short-Term Rental Secrets. He also has an amazing podcast. And I think most of you probably know him and his partner, Bill Faith, from the STR Wealth Conference. That was pretty huge this year. Incredibly uh, fun to talk to this guy. He and I sort of were each other's yin to our yang. Michael comes from definitely an operator, sort of like data nerd background. Of course, I come from a marketing and creative background. We talked a lot about how both sides of the sort of skill sets are really important to running a successful short-term rental business. He had lots, and I mean lots of great advice for folks just getting started, as well as for folks that have been operating for quite a while. So yeah, I'm going to just, I'm going to stop blabbering on. I'm going to let you get to this episode, y'all. Happy listening. Hi, Michael. Michael Shogren. I think I said that right. I know we practiced beforehand. Nailed it. Oh, yes. Finally. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you on the STR Data Lab. I don't. That's where you are. I didn't know if you knew, but we are in the- oh, I feel like I'm in the lab, lab right now, for sure. I'm, I'm right? ready. We're in the lab. We're going to get nerdy together on data. Let's do it. Life. Let's do it. Let's do it all, man. Oh my goodness. Well, short-term rental secrets is your moniker, I would say. And you have been in this business for a while. You are definitely one of the masters, I would say, in the biz. And I'm going to start with the cliche question, which is what was your real estate aha moment? When did you realize that real estate was your future? And then obviously, more importantly, short-term rentals. So- I ended up going to one of those like free seminars one time with a buddy of mine. You know, they were selling like how to flip houses and all this stuff. And we went to the the seminar and it was amazing. It was like mind blowing of, of, wow, like this is crazy what's possible. But that was kind of the it for a while. Like I, I was like, all right, this is cool. But I had a, a comfy, cushy job as a CPA for 10 years. And I was like, okay, there was no real sense of urgency to get into it. It was something I wanted to do, but I... I wasn't pursuing it as aggressively as I wanted to, or I should have. And then when our son was born, he was born with a very rare lung disease and he had to be on oxygen. And we spent a ton of time at the children's hospital in Boston. Wow. And at a certain point I had run out of vacation time. I had run out of sick time. I had all these hospital bills piling up and I had to leave my wife and my son in the hospital and go back to my cubicle and trade time for money. And, uh, it was one of the most painful experiences of my life. But I told my wife that day, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to find a way to build us a business that gives us the income we want without trading time for money. And I knew real estate was going to be the vehicle, but I was just doing the math in my head. You know, I didn't know anything about short-term rentals at the time. I was thinking like traditional long-term rentals. I'm like, man, it's going to take so many apartments to to get us there. Mm. And then I met a guy in a mastermind group who was in short-term rentals. And this is back in 2017. And it honestly felt like a scam. 
Like he didn't own the properties. He was doing rental arbitrage, which now is huge. But back then I was like, is this even legal? Like, does this make sense? But I made him show me his numbers and he was netting, you know, anywhere from a thousand to $3,000 a month on these properties that he didn't even own. And I was like, this is crazy. And so I convinced my wife to take a loan out of our 401k and go buy a little two bedroom condo up in the mountains in New Hampshire. And I was like, let's, let's just see if this is legit. And we knew the area very well. It's like three hours from where we live and we go skiing up there. And I was like, let's just try it out. And we're going to use it at least once a month as a family on a weekend. And just like this guy said, you know, that property was netting us like 1500 bucks a month on this little property that cost us about 200 grand all in, which, you know, now in retrospect, I thought I overpaid at the time. Now it's (laughs) worth substantially more than that. But that was the catalyst. And I was like, I am sold. This is the coolest business model ever. But I didn't have any more money to keep buying more properties and I couldn't live off of $1,500 a month. So I thought about, well, what if I approach some of these investors that had, you know, single families or small duplexes or three families, and I just showed them this new model and I would do all the work. I would design them, build them out, you know, run all the operations. They would just pay for the furnishing and I would just take a percentage. And now we know that is like co-hosting, but nobody was really doing it back then. And within a year and a half, we had scaled up to 15 properties across five different states. And I left my job, my wife quit her job, and I retired my mom. Wow. And then it was off to the races from that point. Oh my gosh. I love this. Well, that is so, I love what you're saying about time and money, right? And like that trade that you were doing. And you were like very much in a point of your life, relatable for me. I'm also a parent. Um, and I'm so, I, so sorry. I would love to hear how your son is doing now. But that concept of like time is your most precious resource, right? Like also the most finite. And so you really were saying this isn't an equal value exchange for me. Yeah. And my son is doing very well now. He no longer needs to be on oxygen. He's a perfectly healthy kid. So super so grateful for that. Obviously, that. that was the most important thing. But yeah, I was very intentional from the beginning that I wanted to build this business with systems and process and people so that I wasn't just buying myself or giving myself another job. I really was intentional and the goal was no more than four hours a week. You know, I was fine going out to hustle to go find the deals, but once they're live, I don't want the portfolio to take more than four hours a week. And we've stayed true to that and the business has evolved over the last six years, but now we're at 101 units, three boutique hotels, Amazing. and it's still the, the four hours a week. But we've just, again, refined the systems and the process and built a team that can run that portfolio for us. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I love this because now I feel like you when you were talking to that guy back in 2017 where you're like, mm, this, I don't know. I don't know, Michael. I mean, it's funny enough. We I joke a lot about that. You're making me question some of my life choices, obviously, but I'm like, if you could only work four hours a week, like again, tell me, tell me your secrets. So let's unpack that. Let's let's make sure that people understand that can be a reality. Because again, I think that there is, you know, there is a real hustle to the to the short term rental game. But also, I think what people sort of forget and neglect. But what I'm noticing, right, is you started in 2017, so that was like six years ago, right? So. You've had time to perfect. So my guess would be that maybe it didn't start with four weeks, four hours a week in the beginning. So talk to me. How did you scale this up? Again, 101 units, three boutique hotels, four hours a week. Let's unravel this a little bit. What's yeah, the price sure. to give people? How do you how the how the hell do you do it, Michael? You tell me. So for full transparency, right? One of my 
you know, superpowers as a CPA, I was an auditor for 10 years. So I would go into companies and like help them refine their process and be more efficient. Ooh. So like that was what I did for a long time. So I just translated that skill set into building my own process and my own systems. And then I, I've always been a good student. And so I just paid for mentorships, whether it was people in real estate or a couple of people at the time doing short-term rentals. And I just took different things from each of them, different skill sets that I learned and just created my own processes and my own systems. And so that's, that's the fast lane. You know, okay. when I can take somebody's skills that they've learned over years and compress okay. that down into months, that's gold to me because I value my time. And that whole experience with my son showed me just how important time is and you can't get that back. So I was okay paying for that education and those mentorships to fast track a lot of that. But I want to point out that I said it was a year and a half before we could leave. Right. Yes. When I first yes. launched that, that unit, I got the systems figured out, automated that again, it's three hours away. So I had to figure out how to do it without me being involved. Cause I couldn't get there even if I had to. Right. And so there were some issues obviously that came up at certain points. Like one point a, a cleaner ghosted me and I learned you don't rely on one cleaner or whatever. You got to have backups and you know, I got my teeth kicked in a little bit. But <laughs> after I had the idea to start the co-hosting side, it took me nine months to get my first co-hosting deal. Wow. So like nine months of like no traction, you know, other than the one that we had live. And I think people, they see when I say that, I'm glad you brought that up because they're like, well, that sounds too easy. Well, no, during those nine months, it was like, I just wanted it bad enough. And I think for people getting into it, just make sure you understand why you want this because it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And you're going to have to persist and overcome different challenges. And I just kept going and kept trying different things to get in front of the right people. And eventually somebody gave me a shot. And then that person told somebody else. And then they told somebody else. And then they told somebody else. And it just grew organically quickly after I got that initial one. So people ask me all the time, like, how long is it going to take me to get my first deal or my first co-host deal? And I just say, until. <laughs> until you do. Because if you go into it with that attitude, you're going to quit. Yep. So like you have to go into it with the attitude of, I will not stop until I get a deal. And then it snowballs into the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah. I love that. You know, it's so funny. I was hanging out with a, a girlfriend of mine and she's really into well, like martial arts, Kung Fu. And she was talking, I think it's Kung Fu. I think it's Ip Man or Ip Man, um, Bruce Lee's trainer, right? Like, or what Bruce Lee comes from several generations back to Ip Man. But he has this concept of like, you start with mud and then you go to water and then you go to lightning in terms of your growth, right? And your development. And so like it's like what that really was salient to me as you were talking is like you started in yeah, a year and a half still working your job, right? Nine months to get like there was like this slow and steady progress. And then then, of course, it gets a little easier. And then now you're in your lightning, right? Progression and evolution where you've set up your systems and then that's where the exponential growth really comes into play, but you got to be dedicated, right? You got to say that. And I love that this going back to your why, why am I doing this? What, what's the end goal? And I think so many folks sort of like, again, you know, maybe inadvertently get into it. I mean, if you're diversifying your investment portfolio, right, you're probably not putting everything in real estate. Sounds like you have. A mostly. I've gone all in. <laughs> you're all thing. in. You're all in. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's not a hobby, right? It's it's a real legitimate job. I think a lot of uh, folks that I've talked to 
have sort of iterated that point as well, right? It's not it's not just a side a side hustle um, if you're really going to be dedicated to it, and if your why is to have financial independence and not be beholden to a corporate job. But I also love this idea of you being able to leverage so much of your skill set that you had in your previous life as a CPA, right? And like the fact that you were actually going in and creating processes and building efficiencies for other companies set you up for such success. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I and was not good with sales, right? So I find that there's, I've been coaching for four years now, and I find that there's almost like two buckets. Like you have the folks that are either really good at sales and they're weak on the operations, or you have folks like me that really struggled with sales, but they, they understand like process and operations and like structure. So there's, there's always that yin and yang. And that's why, you know, surrounding yourself with people that can help you up or partner to bring in those complementary skill sets. That's, that's how you start to multiply things very quickly. Oh my goodness. I love that. Well, I love that you mentioned yin and yang because yes, I, you and I would be good yin and yang for each other because I'm way better at the sales and the people component than the process. <laughs> oh, I love this. Well, okay. So you've been doing this a long time. We spend a lot of time here at AirDNA um, talking about sort of what I call my tagline is don't index off the high. And that is, so we try to take a little bit of a longer view, right? Like if you're just looking at what happened in 2021, 2022, 2020 with short-term rentals, you had such a fun, like epic story of like low supply, high demand, then supply slowly catching up to demand. And like, you know, really people probably experiencing extreme whiplash in terms of things like their occupancy rates and their ADRs, right? And ultimately their, you know, revenue and profitability. But you, you know, you've probably lived through all that. You lived at the time before where it was maybe, again, a little bit more like mud, slow and steady, incremental. Having all the benefit of that historical understanding helps us obviously look into the future and forecast. So that's we spend a lot of time forecasting over here at AirDNA. You're probably not surprised by that. I would love to know what you're sort of anticipating and how you're maybe evolving your business in light of everything I just said. I took yeah. the long way around. That's how I No, remember. no, that's 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 great. And that's one of the biggest questions that we get, right? Yeah. And what I've told people, I've been saying this for a long time that we've been on this crazy run, right? Since like a couple months after COVID of like this massive pent-up demand. But some properties that I launched in 2018, 2019, they were still doing well before that. You know, I had a two bedroom that the gentleman was renting out for 2000 bucks a month. And it did like 60, 65,000 its first year in 2018, which was incredible. You know, we netted right. way more money. But last year, that property did over 100,000. And it's that's just not sustainable, right? Like, no, so that's a huge difference. You want to be very, again, I'm a numbers guy, right? From that background. So I'm very conservative with my underwriting. And I think mm -hmm. that's one of the beauties. Of, of air DNA, quite frankly, is it gives you so much data. And I don't think the industry appreciates how much transparency there is. Cause like we've been doing boutique hotels the last few years as well. You can't get nearly as much data at a specific property level for hotels that you can with short-term rentals through air DNA. Lots so like when you have all those numbers, I like to look all the way back to 2019 if possible, cause that was like pre craziness and underwrite with a blend of that versus where we are now. So do I see it going back to 2019? No, but I see it normalizing. And I also think a lot of people that got in in the last 18 to 24 months 
are probably going to unload some of their properties because they paid too. I don't want to say they paid too much. Right. But they kind of did. So like now as those numbers normalize, their returns are getting compressed and they were underwriting or just taking the word of some real estate agent. No offense to agents, but their job is to sell real estate. So it's like, yeah, this property has been doing this and it grew by this percentage last year and it should grow by this percentage this year. So like you're buying it based on some projection that it's going to keep going like this. Yeah. Instead of being conservative with your underwriting, like we typically beat the 90th percentile by 20, 30% with their DNA's data, but I'll underwrite the deals an average of 50 to 75th percentile mm-hmm. just to be super conservative. So even when things normalize, I have so much spread that I can reduce my rates and still be fine. Right. And people say, well, those deals don't exist. It's not true. You just have to mm-hmm. analyze enough deals and be patient enough to pull the trigger when the right deals come up. Right. And I think that's, that's the big thing is I underwrite I've underwritten hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals over the last several years. And it's like, it's a percentage game. So you don't want to get emotional. It's a numbers thing. So if the numbers don't work, you don't buy the deal. It's that simple, right? But people are like, oh my God, I love this property. I want this property. And then they start to like, well, if this happened or if I could reduce this and I do, and you, you manipulate the numbers to make them work that's when you end up in trouble, right? Right. So you really just got to know your numbers. And I also think the other thing is that the bar has just been risen and it's going to continue to rise from a standards perspective. Yeah. Meaning like grabbing a three bed, two bath house, that's a nice house and just putting some kind of bland furniture, nice furniture, but just bland furniture. Right. It's not going to cut it anymore. You have to find ways to stand out, really know who your guest avatar is and really create a unique experience for them and market it. Like you, again, marketing was not my thing, but I had to learn it. You can't just throw something on Airbnb now and just pray or just expect that it's going to work. Like you got to diversify, you got to get it on different channels. You got to work on direct bookings, all these different things. It's becoming more of a a business than this crazy side hustle that you could throw. My friend, Avery Carl would say, you could throw a porta potty on there and you can make (laughs) money the last couple of years. You know what I mean? So it's just the level has, has risen substantially. I love Avery. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I mean, gosh, you you had so much uh, to say in there that I loved. I mean, one, yes. like, And we often do this too, right? As most economists do, right? Like there's a best case scenario, there's a worst case scenario, and there's a baseline scenario. And absolutely, that is sort of the intentionality of um, our percentiles, which if you have kids, very similar, right? Your <laughs> your kids can be in the 90th percentile. That means that they're probably really tall and big. Um, they could be the 25th percentile, like my lovely little girl, um, who's just, you know, obviously a little bit on the more petite side. Similar concept for how we are helping people benchmark their own success against the industry um, or the market that they're in, sorry. So 90th percentile, you're high performing. You're getting that occupancy rate or that rev par that you're looking for. 25th percentile, probably a little bit uh, under player. And so I love this idea of you saying, hey, I know I probably can achieve more than a 75th percentile ranking, but I'm not going for that, right? I'm going to go for 75th to 50th and underwrite over that level of revenue. And, and then and then sort of back that into your profitability would be my assumption on what you can actually afford, right? So you're mm-hmm. never going to get yourself in a bad position. And yes, absolutely. So many folks, right? Like I, I bought in, was it 22, 21, 21. And yeah, it was very scary because I was like, I know I'm overpaying for this house. <laughs> like I know it. I love all of that. And then really, truly like what you're saying, what's really resonating with me. And I think what's so, so much fun about our business, but 
definitely a challenge is that it's very much a head and a heart business. You know what I mean? You've got to have like all of this smart, um, non-emotional side of your brain functioning around, you know, numbers and deals and what makes the most sense for you. And then you have to have this amazing, like sort of heart for like, who is my guest and what's going to make, deliver them an experience. Like, gosh, how do you balance this? So do you manage all of that? Or you have what you said, you mentioned a wife and a, a, and a mom. So are they helping you with some of that? So my wife handles all the design. So she's got her own company. I'll plug on design interior, selfish plug, but she's amazing. And honestly, I tell people that she's the reason why our properties have done so well because the designs stand out and they pop and they create a unique experience. And that is one thing that you cannot skimp on anymore is the design. Like you, you have to invest that. And I know it's scary and it costs money to do those things. But if you don't, if you shortcut, you're going to be dead in the water. And I know that sounds dramatic, but I'm telling you, I, I look at a lot of properties right. and I've, I've analyzed a lot of deals. If you really want to maximize your profitability, good design and good decor, by far the best ROI that you will have. A hundred percent. Well, and I, I think like what we've forgotten and also probably were able to take for granted a bit during COVID was the hotels, right? Because hotels weren't as much competition. People didn't feel comfortable in that environment. Um, whereas now I think people are getting more comfortable with it. You're definitely competing with a hotel on price and value, I would say. So, you know, there is an element of, I think, like what what it makes you unique and special. What what do you offer? Because I still see a lot of connection between those two pieces, those two clientels. I wouldn't say that those are two separate avatars, right? Like I'm, I'm I mean, frankly, real talk, I'm looking at a hotel versus a STR a lot of the time when I'm traveling personally, right? I think the biggest risk to our industry, honestly, is the lack of standardization across yeah. properties. So again, when you're looking to book that trip for your family, you know, if you're doing the stereotypical one week vacation, summer vacation, and are you willing to take a risk and try out some short-term rental where they have good reviews, but, or yeah. do I book the Marriott, and I know exactly what I'm going to get. Yep. And that's why I say the the level of standards is going to continue to rise because if it's not there, people are not going to book and the demand will drop more. Yep. So that's why I encourage everybody to up your game because if we don't, that will ultimately soften the market substantially. And you've seen it with people getting annoyed with all the crazy cleaning instructions and the outrageous cleaning fees and everything else. It's like, we don't corner the market anymore. People are comfortable with hotels. They know what they're going to get. Here's my all in price for this thing. And I know what I'm going to get. Right. I love all of that. Yeah. It is funny. Right. And it's just, it's just like a shift, right? Like there's just a shift when, when supply is high and demand isn't, you know, through the roof, right? Like then you're, you're absolutely not in sort of that quote unquote, catbird seat that you were in potentially before. And, you know, I, I think that's to say like, right, like there's there are probably circumstances and situations in which you could have sort of more of a value oriented listing that isn't all about like the, you know, luxury experience, right? Like we're not all going to stay at Brian Chesky's house, um, but, but there's, you know, there's stuff in between. And then more importantly, I love this idea of like sort of, yes, what hurts us, although, um, maybe, you know, again, the market will correct itself is the lack of standardization. And again, I think you're, you're pointing out something really unfortunately true, but, you know, 
not to sound harsh, which is like, yeah, like folks that aren't going to kind of catch up to that level of standardization that their peers, those people in the 90th percentile are doing, aren't going to make it, right? Because, you know, again, that that's just the nature of capitalism. It's the nature of something. Capitalism sounds right. Yeah. It sounds good. Again, I went to marketing school. You, you, you know better than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, you talked a little bit about diversifying your channels. That's something I think on everyone's mind right now. You think about sort of, yeah, I mean, let's be real, some market shifts or just even sentiment shifts and how folks are viewing um, companies like Airbnb and, of course, then Verbo and, you know, Picasso and all the rest of them. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how you diversified that. It sounds like you, I'm guessing you have a pretty pragmatic approach to your where you're putting your listings. Yeah. And it, it's going to depend on the listing itself too, right? So like one of my most profitable properties we bought the end of 2021, it's an 11 bedroom house right near Disney World in Florida. Very cool. And, you know, that property does well on Verbo because it's just a massive house. You know, so it does it does good on Airbnb, but it also does really good on Verbo. Um, some of my smaller stuff that's more like suburban in the suburbs outside of major cities, I'll get a booking here and there on Verbo, but it's not as big of a driver. In the ho- I think the biggest eye opener I had was when we got into the hotels, and I think this is a misconception. I also do think that the boutique hotel wave, like the way that we're doing it with the remote check in and everything, I think that is going to be a big yeah even in the next two years three years very cool but the game is completely different like airbnb is not a strong channel for hotels people are not going to airbnb to book a hotel people are going to google and searching hotels in whatever city right so having a google my business page and pushing your guests to leave you a five-star review on google as opposed to airbnb or verbo or booking.com or expedia or anywhere else that's going to be the game is getting those reviews And by doing that the last few years, like we're 65% direct bookings on the hotel side and we're working on getting that up on the STR side as well. And it's, that's going to be the wave of the future. And Google knows that because now they're coming out with the whole Google vacation homes and all these different things. Like they're, they know that they can put some pressure on these other players and they're going to do it. So it's just understanding that. But I was only on Airbnb for probably the first year and a half, two years. And I made a plenty of money on it. Right. But again, it was getting around other operators that were way further ahead of me, you know, that had 100, 200, 500 properties. And they're like, listen, kid, you don't have a business. You have an Airbnb business. Like, <laughs> you got to diversify. You got to learn marketing. You got to learn direct bookings and contracts and everything else. And again, it pushed me out of my comfort zone to constantly evolve and adjust. And so to summarize, it constantly evolves. Like, that conversation I had at that mastermind a couple of years ago, it really woke me up because I thought I had it dialed in and I was just going to coast like systems are good. But if you're not constantly looking for ways to improve and diversify and do all these different things, you're not going to stay relevant. So mm, I love that. Don't rest on your laurels. If you're going strong now, great. Where are some other areas that you could tweak or test or do different things? Like constantly look for ways to improve. And I know it sounds so basic, but those little tweaks and those little energy shifts, they compound over time and you'll continue to level up against your comp- competition. Ooh, I love that. Like that energy shift, right? Like where you're shifting your intention. And, you know, I think 
couple of really important points there that I'm that I'm hearing you say is that like, yeah, I mean, that's the stuff hopefully that should excite you, right? Like that's that's the exciting thing is like, yeah, you're going to con consistently be evolving and growing your skill set in this business and you get to wear many different hats. And so that should be exciting, hopefully, for anyone that's listening. But also another component I think that you're really important, again, going back to that, like, I say, hey, I spent the first year and a half just on Airbnb. So like you can master one thing first before going into the next thing. So you're kind of like leveling up mud, water, lightning, right? Yes. You're leveling up your skills. Thank you for clarifying. I'm not recommending if you're brand new with one property, don't try and go everywhere because you're going to overwhelm yourself. Like, like you said, I mastered one and then I moved to Verbo and then I moved to booking.com and then I got on Expedia, right? And it was just like, okay, I'm going to figure this thing out. And then I'm going to go to the next one and then the next one. Right, right. I mean, I, hey, I wish that there was just like a quick fix for all of this financial freedom and money. It, like, you know, what I mean, like, I wish it was as simple as that, but like, it's like, you know, no, like you have to go slow and then look at the big, big long-term goal for yourself, which is ultimately, I would say, Michael the four hour work week. I'm, I, that's what I would love to do. Preach. It's funny. So we talked about that earlier and I ironically, and this is not a plug Well, it is, I guess, but a lot of people, a lot of people question it, especially on social media when I say that and they're like, there's no way this is such a hands-on business. This guy's full of crap. So I actually did an hour long webinar last week where I showed exactly how I built it and all the systems and the process and how I recruit VAs and train them. And I've got all these different things. And I broke it into these like seven steps because I was like, you can do this. But like, again, that was my wheelhouse. Like that's what I was good at was building process and systems and people. And like, that's it. You just have to look at it from the lens of a business, not just, I want to be a hospitable host and I love hosting. And, and that's great. Right. I just came from the other spectrum of my goal was to build a business to give right. me the income we wanted in less than four hours a week. So I just, that was my focus. That was my North Star. I love all of that. And yes, we are going to definitely put your webinar in the show notes because I, I want to go back and watch it because um, I need to know all your tricks. Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. But I think the, also the interesting thing there, right, like is one, you had a very you know, compelling why, right? And it wasn't just about like, hey, I just don't, I really, I want to go golf or I want to, you know, like, go do whatever you're like, no, I really don't have the time to devote to making money. I have to take care of my family. And then also the idea of you being, you know, super, super focused on the long game, right? And you didn't try to do this all by yourself, right? You weren't at no, no point where you're saying, all right, yeah, I, Michael Shogren, I'm I'm going to learn how to be a marketing person. I'm going to learn how to, you know, decorate a beautiful home. You're saying, no, I'm going to look around me and see who else in my network, aka your, you know, partner, which is always a good person to tap into for myself. What is their skill set? Can they help me do this? So bringing the right people on board as you go, I think was a huge, huge takeaway for you. It's a big shift, especially when you're going from being an employee to a business owner, like, yeah it's scary going out and adding people to your team. And now you have payroll and responsibility. And it's not just you with this little fun side hustle, making a few grand a month. It's like, right. okay, like now I have all this overhead, but you can go so much further. So it's like you, you start to make money and then you cap out your time and then you take a hit in your income to bring on more people, but it positions you for more growth. Right. And then you need more people. So you take an income hit and then it just keeps going. And it's just this zigzag ladder that continues to go up if you continue to invest in your people and process. I love that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. You're right. And like, again, it's not, it's not just all hockey stick. It's step by step. 
Well, I love what you were saying about Google. That's so interesting. Just to go back to that, this concept of like Google vacation, vacation homes. And I think one of the things that I, I have heard, but you, you, you keep me honest here. A lot of folks are right. Just like a little nervous about putting all their eggs in, you know, another basket, like the sort of transferable uh, example of that for marketing, right. Is like everybody being like, oh, if I'm just advertising in Facebook, right. And I don't own any of that. Like Facebook owns all of that and that audience, then I have less control Similar concept I've heard with Airbnb is just like, right, like Airbnb has, you know, they can take me off their site if they want to at any point. It strikes me that maybe you're just going from the frying pan into the skillet, so to speak, with with Google. But again, bigger reach, right? What's your perspective on that? Is that resonating or am I just... No, you're 100% right. Like the name of the game, and you correct me because you're the marketer, but the name of the game is building your list. Right. You want to own your list. So building your email list of you know, using technology like StayFi or Hostfully or any of these digital guidebooks that for guests to access the internet or access the guidebook, they have to give you their name and their email address. Yeah. Or you just ask them for it because you want to be able to build that list and then like, hey, we just launched another unit or hey, we'd love to have you come back and give you a 10% discount on your stay. Like right. when you own the list, that's where the value is. And again, that was something I paid a bunch of people to teach me about marketing because I don't know anything about that or I didn't know anything about that at the time. So it's like, yes, you want to control that list. And I have seen in the last couple of months, even a couple of my students out of nowhere, Airbnb just shut their account down. Wow. Some guests reported some issue, real or not real, and right. Airbnb is investigating it and they just shut you down for, could be a week, could be a month. And then people freak out. If you're only on Airbnb, right. you're going to be freaking out because now your bills don't stop. But if your income stops, it's a problem, right? So my friend... Uh, Mark Simpson says, don't build your business on somebody else's land, right? Like don't build your castle on somebody else's land. So they're a marketing partner. Fine. Yeah. Fine. No, you're absolutely right. It's about getting your own list. It's about, you know, owning a little bit more of your clientele. Fabulous. I love all of this. Oh, Michael, we've had so much fun and you've got such great wisdom for people. I always, I like to wrap up with one where I want, I want you to have the opportunity to tell folks a little bit more about how they can benefit from your wisdom. Like how, if I want to get more of this goodness, because again, you've got the cheat sheet for me, so I don't have to, you're going to save me time is what I'm hearing. How, how do I, how do I work with you, my friend? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing, the the free stuff, go check out the podcast, Short-Term Mental Secrets. I've been doing that with E for three years at this point. So we've been going strong with that. And then, you know, my Instagram is at the Airbnb guy. I've got the free Facebook group that's dedicated to the podcast community, Short-Term Mental Secrets. And then, you know, strsecrets.com is the website, has a bunch of free resources and trainings and things like that. And then we have a few different mentorship programs. We've got a new VA recruiting service, which I talked about in that webinar last week. So we'll go out, recruit, onboard, and train VAs for folks that have units and they're trying to buy their time back. Mm, so we just basically that. give them my whole playbook and then we coach them for three months to help them build their own while we go out and build the team for them. Because that's very cool. One of the things that I struggled with the most for like two years was really figuring out the recruiting and the onboarding piece. And again, I, then I went out and I hired coaches from EOS and all these places. I'm like, how do I figure How do I do this? Right. Right. So, yeah. I think that's such a great, I mean, because I haven't encountered, again, I'm a little bit of a new, but like I haven't encountered that sort of idea of like what I would almost call managed services. Right. So there's a lot of folks out there saying, yeah, like take my course, I'll, you know, show you my playbook, give you some frameworks and, you know, tools that you can leverage. 
But what I love is like this idea of like, no, we're going to hold your hand for three months and really help you build your team. And like, you know, again, like you've got the resources. Um, so it's all, yeah, I think it's like a nice little kit. I love that. Yeah. We've been doing it for the, the my mastermind students for a couple of years, like recruiting VAs for them. And yeah. then we just got to a certain point where people were like, hey, can you recruit VAs for me? And I didn't have like a different program for that. So decided to build it out. So yeah, no, smart. You're going where the need is just to clarify VA's virtual assistant. I'm assuming. Correct. All right. Good. Correct. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I should have clarified the the lingo, the lingo on that one. No, I'm usually the one that's uh, using some weird acronym and getting called out for it. So I'm happy to be on the other side of that. Oh, and the, the webinar thing that I promised yeah. you guys, I'm sorry. It's strsecrets.com slash freedom code. Perfect. And it's 45 minutes, just the seven steps walking you through. And then at the end, if you want, you can book a call, learn more about the VA recruiting, but it's not a pitch. Like it's 45 minutes of straight value. And then I'm like, Hey, if you want to learn more about this, click the button below. So full transparency. I love that. But I think you're going to get a ton of value. I wouldn't recommend it if you're brand new trying to get your first right. deal. It's not for you. But if you've got five plus properties and you're starting to pull your hair out, trying to manage everything, this will really help you get clarity about what are the steps that you need to take to get your time back. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for clarifying that, right? Like, Because there is, again, this sort of crawl, walk, run, mud, water, lightning approach. So folks probably a little bit more in the water phase of their journey just to carry this anecdote through the podcast. <laughs> But, I like it. We're, it's a running theme now. Yeah, it's a, it's we got a theme. We got to have a theme. But I also, yeah, I I really um, like what you're saying, and you know, that's certainly something that we find incredibly important. Is one of the reasons my why's right for being in this business is that like you know when you just start with providing folks with the value and you're helping to elevate the entire industry, right, to bring them up to a certain level of standardization you know, that's the better way to go than to be trying to sell something to somebody, right? So, you know, just offering wisdom out freely is a really great way to go, Michael. I'm glad you're doing that. Well, I would love, so I I torture everyone on this podcast um, with a little fun game called Who, What, Where. If you're down, I'm going to make you play it with me. How does that I'm sound? Down. I'm down. Let's get after it. What do we got? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Thank you for being bold um, and brave. Not surprising. Well, okay. I, it's, I'm, I'm over. I'm overselling this pretty easy. But the first question is, who besides yourself would you recommend folks in this industry um, go to for advice? And again, it, I, like I would say, like it doesn't have to be just like industry advice. It could be life advice. You know, I don't know. Oh man, I have so many amazing friends in this industry that. Right. I mean, obviously, I already talked about Avery Carl. She's great. I love Avery. Bill Faith, my partner on the STR Wealth Conference, TJ Tajani, Kyle Stanley, Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, Noble Crawford, like so many amazing people that have kind of molded their own path through through this. Yeah, I don't I think I said six, but I yeah, I could keep going. Mark Simpson on from Boosley on the marketing side. I mean, he's yeah. built our websites. He taught me so much about marketing. I love this. You know, he's phenomenal with that. Bill's phenomenal with marketing. Kyle's really good on the operation side. I feel like we have that that jam going as well. Rachel's got her insurance niche. TJ's is doing the boutique hotel stuff like I am now. And uh, yeah, Noble has this whole government contracts niche that he's crushing. So there's, there's, there's just so many rabbit holes that you can go down. And um, the cool thing in this industry is like, I've just met so many people that are just willing to help each other out, you know, and like just there's none of this scarcity mindset of like, oh, I can't talk to them like their competition. Like we all hang out, 
we I'm going to Cabo with all those guys in a couple months. Like it's just Julie George over in Australia. She's coming into Cabo. Like all these people that I've met, you know, that are super close friends now and we talk regularly. Actually, I have a call with them in a couple hours, but you know, it's just a really cool community of people that are willing to be transparent and just share their experience. And that's one thing that I love about this industry that you don't find in a lot of places. I a hundred percent agree. And that camaraderie, right? Like, and firstly, let me know how I can get invited to Cabo after this, but yeah, exactly. It's, you know, there's, there's a healthy competition, but also just again, like a lot of, of sharing and, and group, um, efforts. I love this. I love that. All right. Are you ready for the next one? Let's do it. Okay. This one, um, is a little harder maybe, but not too hard. What do you wish you knew back in 2017 that you know now, 2023, that you could impart some wisdom to other folks about? I think it was my shifting my view around like selling. Like when I was trying to grow the co-hosting, I had such limiting beliefs. Like I felt like sleazy trying to quote unquote pitch investors on this thing. And once I reframe that of like, I'm... I genuinely care and I want to help this person bring in more income or change their life or whatever it is. I have an obligation to close or enroll this person because I believe wholeheartedly that nobody is going to benefit them as much as me. Right. And when you come from a place of like obligation to like help somebody versus like it just, you know, being in an operator role, a CPA for a long time, it was almost like they poo pooed sales in school. And it's like, no, like that's what makes the world go around. And it's all your viewpoint around what sales is, you know, like, yeah, you guys put out a great product, like, but nobody would know about it if you guys didn't promote it and market it. So True. like, that's just part of the game. So shift your perspective around sales. I had a, took me a long time. That's probably why it took me nine months to get that first deal. Cause I was just awkward and felt weird asking people <laughs> for an opportunity or giving them an opportunity. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mindset shift is usually the big unlock, right? It's so true. It's so true. All right. Well, since we're hopping in our hot tub time machine, as I like to call it, where would you have invested in 2017? You mentioned your condo that you were like, how could I be same for me with the property I bought in 2017? I was like, why does it cost so much? And now I'm like, can I please go back to 2017 pricing? Yeah. But yeah, where, where would you have invested? We didn't even get to talk about where you're operating. We got to get there too. I know. Jeez. Yeah, we're we're all over the place, but um, sounds like I think it. I would have done exactly what I did, and I think it was just luck, honestly. Like I knew the area, and I, I we loved going up there from the time we started dating all the way through marriage. Of just, it's a cool spot that's drivable from Boston and New York and a lot of these places. And there's amazing. There's three ski resorts within a 15 minute drive. You got Mount Washington, you know, a bunch of hiking and trails and golf and all this stuff. We just liked the area and I was just like, if we're going to do this, I want to be able to use it too, which is a huge perk of this model. And, um, it just crushed like, and again, it was partly luck. Like we found a great spot with amazing views and, um, we just had the guts to pull the trigger on it. Like we were nervous. And I know if you're brand new listening to this, that first deal is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why like surrounding yourself with you know, obviously mentors are huge, but even like a peer group of people that has done it, that will support, encourage, and challenge you to, to get over that fear. That's the, that's the hardest one. I love that. Yeah. Your first one's your hardest. I like that. Yeah. So true. Um, yeah, you know, you did, you did pick a good place. I anecdotally spent a very lovely Thanksgiving and, you know, up in Woodstock and yeah, it's just a great area. Uh, agreed. 
Um, well, and we didn't even get congratulations on STR Wealth, right? Like that was Thank such you. an amazing event, killed it. Um, sorry, we didn't even get to talk about that. It's all good. Um, it's all good. Yeah, that was that was a blast. That was a lot of fun. We're doing it again next year, right? Like, we're going bigger. We're gonna have three thousand people in the Music City Center. We got Damon John signed up to keep what? it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We, got, we may all have right. another one in our back pocket that I can't announce yet, but uh, I'm I'm super pumped. I love this. It's it's a great time. Yeah. No. Well, again, I I need to know how to get invited to all these things. I'm feeling a little FOMO right now, but yes, we would. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. And it was a great event this year. Michael Shokran, thank you so much for jumping into the SDR data lab with me, man. Thank you for the invite. This was a blast. Yeah, we should do this again soon. Again, like let's, hey, when you're ready to announce some things, you let us know because we would love to talk about it more with you. But yeah, hey, I'm excited to see what happens. I love this diversity in your portfolio. I love the advice you're giving people. So let's just have a great 2023, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye.